I'm excited about this morning, and I'm going to continue on. We're going to continue on with our summer shorts, right? Uh, with the idea I've been really stressing and dealing with for the last uh, the several weeks about understanding everything that God is, is doing in our life and how do we live that out in a very practical way. Several years ago, I was so excited. It was before Lisa and I had, had any children. I had a f- good friend of mine call me up and said, hey, I got a new catamaran. I want you to come down to the beach. We, we went to the beach often. <laughs> That's what you do before you have kids. But you know, we, have, we went to the beach often. It was in, it was in Virginia Beach and uh, went to the ocean and just hung out all the time. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. But he says, hey, I, I got this catamaran. Come down and, and I'll take you out. And so I was excited. Man, I, I just, I'm, okay, I'm not much of a sailor. I don't really sell much, but this seemed like a lot of fun. How many ever been out on the little catamaran out there? Like a few of us. So I get there, and you know, it's pull, he pulled it up on the beach. It's not, it's not really big, but it's actually bigger than I thought. And and we're all excited. We're going to go out in the in this thing, and and we, you know, hung around a little bit. And then he said, "Come on, Greg, I'll take you out." So it was just, it was just uh, my friend and and me, and we got on this. And it, this was a strange day in that the. Uh, the wind was blowing offshore. Usually it blows onshore, but it was blowing offshore. So we got that thing out just past the, the breakers just a little bit, and it shot off. I mean, boom, caught the wind and shot off, and I thought, this is so cool. It's a lot of fun. I was just, just enjoying myself immensely. And then you get out there, and we went out pretty far. We got, it moved pretty quick, and so we had to, he had to turn around. It, of course, it's sort of new, so he's trying to figure out how to do it. Now, here's the thing. You can't sail straight into the wind. It seems like logic, but you need to hang on to that thought because we're going to talk about it a little bit longer. You can't sail straight in the wind, so they have this thing called tacking, right? So you have to zigzag. You have to, if you want to go here, you have to aim over here because the wind's blowing right at you, and it'll catch it and move you, and then when you get over here, you have to turn your sail, tack the other side, and zigzag back and forth. Well, Doing that back and forth is a moment. <laughs> you got to know how to turn it and move it and, and such. And he was sort of new at it. And so there were several moments that we just sort of sat there, not going anywhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I started feeling the waves. Come on, do you feel the waves? Feel the waves. I was just feeling the waves. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> so I said, I said uh, Eric, let's get this thing going. <laughs> let's just move this. But not soon enough. Because pretty soon I was laying on the side of the, the catamaran feeding the fish, if you understand what I'm saying. Because it just sort of sat there. And, and because th- what this was was my, the reality of what it was to be on a catamaran sort of mixed and hit with my expectations. My expectations were this is going to be fun, this is going to be amazing, it's going to be shooting out there, oh, I'm going to be zipping across the ocean. And the reality was not quite there. And then I, got, I was so sick, and we had to weave back and forth to get out, and, and it took forever, and it was slow, and I was continually feeding the fish as I go along. There were, there were dolphins literally following us, saying, ooh, feed me more, feed me more. It was not a good picture. But it reminded me of something. Actually, we put up on our Facebook. It was just a great picture. I loved it. Of understanding where we're at when we're talking about justification, which is a big idea that we put into a small little short, and sanctification and glorification. Put that picture up. I love that picture because, you see, this is the reality sometimes that we're dealing with, is that we have justification. Our expectation is we're going to shoot right to glorification. I mean, God's going to move us. And the line in the middle, that's what's called sanctification. 
But how many know the expectation of that line is usually more like the reality of the bottom line? And in the bottom line, it's like you're going this way, and all of a sudden you feel like, hey, God, I'm going backwards. This isn't good. This isn't, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. I'm doing the wrong things. What, and then you turn and you turn. And that's the reality usually of how we live. How do we live and become stronger and understand that sanctification is that process where it's not just weaving back and forth, but we're moving into what God wants to do. Let me just break this down one more time to help us understand. So there's justification, just where we give our life to Christ. There's sanctification, that's the process of what God is doing in our lives, getting us stronger. And there's glorification, which is when we're going to be with God. So justification is all about the moment. It's all about the moment. Sanctification is the process by which we become stronger in the things that God's doing in our life. And glorification is the promise. (laughs) It's the promise that one day we're going to be there. But what we need to understand is, if I could take just a moment you can't really understand the process if you, don't, if you haven't had the moment. And the reason that sanctification is so much more difficult, and the reason I'm, going, I'm taking a couple of weeks talking about sanctification, this big idea we're putting into shorts, uh, because it is not a moment. It is a process. It's a, it, it is a daily living of what God has done in our life. But the justification is always a moment. Now, in my tradition where I, I grew up in church, they blended justification with sanctification. It all became one. So the moment of giving your life to Christ, the moment of saying, okay, God, here I am, I'm yours, got blended in a lot with sanctification so that the moment didn't last. That's the way I grew up. So to be honest with you, I don't remember the first moment I gave my life to Jesus. I just remember many moments (laughs) doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, because I really wasn't sure what it, it meant to be justified in what God has done. And we talked about that in the weeks before. That, but the, the key to understand sanctification is understand you have to have a moment. There has to be a moment. People ask me, one of the most common questions is, is, is uh, I'll ask them, I'll say, so have you given your life to Christ? And he said, and they, the answer will be, yeah, I go to church. And that's not what I ask. Because what I'm asking is, have you had a moment? Have you had that moment where all of a sudden you're going this way and all of a sudden something changes, something radically moves in your life and you're going the other way? That's called justification. That's a moment. Moments are critical. You have to have that moment. And whether you come from a tradition where (laughs) the moment it gets blended in with sanctification or whether you think I have that moment and I never have to deal with it again, the point is the moment always has to be there. Before I go any more, before I talk about anything else about sanctification to really understand that, I just need to pause. I need to ask everyone online. I need to ask everyone in there, have you had the moment? Have you had that moment where all of a sudden you know God is here? God is changing me. It doesn't mean we always understand it. It doesn't mean that, that we know what's really happened. That's, in fact, that's one of the most precious moments I've seen is when I'm talking with someone about the Lord and all of a sudden they go, Wow. What is this? Ah, that's your moment. That's what God has done in your life. Now, it, it doesn't stop there, and that's where some of the other traditions get really confused. I've had my moment, now I go live my life and act the way I want and behave the way I want. No, no, no. The moment starts it. It doesn't end it. Now we have the process. What is this process about? How do we live in the things that God's doing? You know, if I, if I took a stone... I have these props today. 
to help us understand a very simple idea. But if I take this stone, if I throw it in the water, and it hits a, a, the pond, and the pond is really steel, all of a sudden there's going to be ripples. And they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you think the laws of physics are or whatever. If you throw a stone in the pond, it's going to get bigger and bigger ripples. And this is what we need to understand about process. The moment you throw the stone in the, in the water, then God starts to move in your life. In the processes of sanctification, you're thinking, what is it about? What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to live in God? Is this, is this rippling effect where it gets larger and larger? So this morning, in talking about and explaining a big idea of sanctification, I want to talk about the last stone the last stone. What, is, what does that mean? But I have to get there first. So uh, let's talk about Jacob. Jacob, so everything really started with Abraham as far as the children of Israel go. Abraham was the father of our faith, and Abraham was amazing. He had Isaac, and Isaac was, was, was uh, pretty good as well. Then you get to Jacob. <laughs> Jacob is awesome. I love to talk about Jacob, because if you want to see a squirrely line moving, <laughs> that is Jacob. Because he never went in a straight line. It was like, I'm doing this, I'm failing here, I'm struggling here. And so we can all identify with Jacob. Jacob is really having a hard time. But something happened with Jacob. He was on a, a journey, on a trip, and as he was on a, uh, this journey, he fell asleep at night, and God gave him a dream. It was a powerful dream. Something that spoke a truth that we need to grab a hold of this morning. Because in that dream, he saw angels coming from heaven down a ladder right where he was, coming up and down, moving all around him. It was activity. It was, it was something power, powerful. What was that? In Genesis chapter 28 then, this is how Jacob responds. Look at verse 20. He says, if God be with me, literally it means since God is with me and will watch over me on this journey, on this process moving through life, this stone, the stone that he put his head on, the, the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. Now, now what does all that mean? He, he slept on a stone. And he, he put his head, hopefully he put some cloth or something there too. But then when he woke up, he realized the presence of God is here. He took the stone and set it there and said, this is the house of God. In fact, now that area is called Bethel, which means God's house. He named this area, said, this is God's house. Literally, you know what he was saying? The presence of God is here. I am not alone. This journey is not just me wandering around, going up, going down, left, trying to do better, trying to do good, failing, not doing well. It's not there. God is with me. God is actually with me. And the first stone, this is called a presence stone. A present stone. So we need to take our present stone symbolically. I won't throw it at you. Because as good as the aim I am, I'll hit somebody. He <laughs> says, you got to take this and throw it and hit that water and start letting it expand. Because you have to understand, you cannot grow in the things of God. You cannot understand sanctification unless you understand that it grows and gets bigger. God is always with you. Early on in our minute in our marriage, uh, Lisa and I were called up and we pastored a church in, uh, as a youth pastor in Flagstaff, Arizona. Beautiful place, up in the mountains. And as I was there, God spoke to me before I went and said, you're only going to be there a year 
and I'm going to send you to, to graduate school. Now, I'm just recovering. We'd only been married a year and a half or so, and we're recovering from uh, uh, debt we got because we got married, and then we thought we needed to buy a house, and then we thought we needed to buy a car, <laughs> and then God gave me this opportunity to go and, and, and you know, help out at this church, and, and I said, and God said, you're only going to go a year, and then I'm going to send you to school. Now, the problem is, I didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. How do we get, how do we get to school? How do I do that? This is graduate school. It's even more money than the undergraduate. And they don't have all the help financially, you know, that, that, that you do. And, and I'd already maxed out. Lisa and I both had loans from school. And we were paying her off ourselves. We'd worked all through school to try to get it done. So I thought, how am I going to do this? And I remember thinking about the tests that you got to do to get in school, <laughs> and you got to pass, and I was really worried about that. I, I thought, how am I going to do this? And it just became a moment that was overwhelming. And I remember going out to a park. I won't ever forget this. I remember every little detail of it. It was now a park. It's on a mountain, so that it's these. It's this rugged <laughs> park. And I walked out into it a little bit just by myself. And in front of me was something that I was amazed at. It was a round, perfectly shaped dome rock all the way around. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Sitting there by itself, just a dome-shaped rock. And all of a sudden, something moved in me, and I, I thought, <laughs> I'm going to sit on that rock. So I climbed on that rock and sat on that rock and crossed my legs. It probably looked out of something out of a New Age movie or something. I don't know. So I'm sitting on this rock, and, and on this dome rock, and I'm just saying, and I'm asking God, how? You ever ask how? You ever ask, God, how are you going to do this? How is this going to turn around? How is this going to change? How is this going to be? How, God? How, how? And I'm asking God how you can do that, and all of a sudden, there's <laughs> nothing that I did except be open to God, and the presence of God just fell. It just fell on me. And I was, began to just weep sitting on the stone, and I just felt God's presence saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because I'm asking how, and you got to get this, how this goes together. I'm asking how, crying, and then uh, at, at first I was crying so hard, it, I didn't care who was around, you know. Then I thought, you know, this is going to look silly. But, I, but the presence of God was on me, and this is what he was telling me. The how is because I'm with you. The how is I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't give up on you. And if you were walking through sanctification and we want to know, how do I get this life, God? How do I do this life? You have to understand it's because we have the present stone. And I won't ever forget that stone. I won't ever forget that rock. I won't ever forget laying on it because that's what God reminded me. God was there. And you may ask, how, Greg, how can I do this? How can this marriage work? How can this business turn around? How can my children be changed? How, how, how? You know what it is? God's presence. God is with you. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. The other story is Zechariah. He was in the Old Testament. He's a prophet. And this is after they came back from captivity. And, and the prophet was with the children of Israel. And they were trying to build, rebuild the temple. And it was going slow, and it was difficult, and it was hard, and there was a lot of pressure against them. And a lot of people are thinking, this isn't going to happen. This is just, it's too hard, it's too big, we can't do it, we can't rebuild this. And Zechariah was, was encouraging the people and, and trying to say, you, come on, you can do it. Come on, you, this can happen. And he had a dream. He fell asleep and he had a dream. And God spoke to him in the dream. And in the dream, he, he saw a, a golden lampstand and he, two olive trees. And, and you're going, what is that about? What is, what is going on? 
and then he saw, saw this is really interesting because in, in the, the Bible, a lampstand always represents the church. It represents God's people. In fact, in Revelation, you'll find that each one of the churches that are mentioned in the last book in the Bible, it calls it a lampstand. Each one is a lampstand. So this is something powerful that God was trying to teach Zechariah. And Zechariah was trying to understand that. And look what he's, look, and it came to him. And look what he says in verse 6 of chapter 4. He says, because Zechariah said, what is this? What is this? And the angel said, you don't see? You don't know? And he said, no, I, I don't know what this is. And the angel explained, this is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What was Zechariah asking? How, God, how can this temple be rebuilt? This is so hard. We don't have the tools. We don't have the material. We don't have the support of the government. We don't have, this is crazy. How can we do this? The angel answered, not by might, not by your might. How can you serve God? How can you live a sanctified life? It won't be by your might. It won't be by your power. You know what it's going to be about? My spirit. And so the second thing we need to understand is that God is able to move in the most powerful ways. Because it goes on, if you read the, in the next verse, it says, I will take the mountains and I will flatten them. This is a theme we find over and over, in the, even in the New Testament. What, is, what does Jesus say? Hey, if you have faith, take this mountain and throw it into the sea. And that was always about understanding that it is not by might, it is not by power. You think, how can I be good enough? How can I be spiritual enough? How can I do the things that God wants me to do? It won't be by your might. It won't be by your power. It's going to be about the Spirit. You see, the second stone is the Spirit stone. The second stone is you have to understand you put it in there, and you have to throw that stone, and you say, God, I can't do this. I'm going to trust in you. And we get freaked out about the being, being led by the Spirit. But the Bible tells us that that's how we're supposed to live. What is this sanctification life? What is this life that we're supposed to live when we move from justification to glorification and one day being with Jesus? It comes by being led by God's Spirit. And that simply means being open to his guidance and direction and that he is the one. He is the one that will change your circumstance. He is the one that can turn around. God is able to do it. See, sanctification is all about the Spirit. It really is all about being led by the Spirit, all about being open to Him. When he's, and, and that means the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Huh, okay. Don't do that. that. That was wrong. And you just think it's maybe your conscience or you just think it's, it's some kind of moral teaching. No, 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 that's God's Spirit saying, don't live that way because you have the moment, okay? That didn't happen without the moment. So you have the moment, you have the justification, you've given your life to Christ, and now as you're living, being led by the Holy Spirit means God is there. God is saying, this is how you walk. This is how you, don't say that to her. She's your wife. Don't say that to him. Don't have that attitude. Is that too real? Did it step on too many toes? Because that's what God's doing. That's what God is moving in your life. Don't do that. Zechariah 4.10, I love that. He goes on a little bit more. Look and see what it says. It says, who dares to despise the day of small things since the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone? In other words, the small things, the things, ah, oh, this can't change. This is not going to be there. This is, this is not going to turn around. And, and what this, all this, this whole thing is about is understanding that God can take the smallest stone and 
throw it into the pond, and all of a sudden it starts to change everything around us. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. See, small beginnings, things start with small beginnings, but it never ends that way. In our sanctification, come on, understand what I'm saying. Our sanctification starts with the smallest step of, okay, God, I don't think this will work, but I'll give it a try. And then, God, this, this might work. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep trusting you. And then, wow, God, it looks like this is really working. <laughs> See how this is? Circle's getting big. And then it's like, God, I believe it's going to work. God, I believe you're doing that. You, that is called sanctification. That's where it gets bigger and bigger. But it takes those small steps of, uh, of trusting God. And it says that the, it, it's all sealed with the capstone. I love this because Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. And it says that when they put it on, you know what they yelled? Grace, grace, grace. Because <laughs> that's what the capstone is all about. It's all about grace. It's all about the Spirit. The Spirit walking in us every single day. How do we live for God? Of trusting Him is all about understanding the Spirit stone. So we have the presence. God's with us. We have the Spirit. We have to be led past the now. We have to be led past the now. Family was watching. I just turned it on accidentally on Netflix, and we were watching the newest Alone series. You ever seen that? Alone is where they take 10 crazy people, individuals, <laughs> and they put them out in the middle of the wilderness. And they say, you're on your own. Whoever lasts the longest wins $500,000. And so they have to fight and find food and forage and, and sickness and, and uh, do everything they can and, and to stay, stay there. Now, what's fascinating to me is I watch this, and I never really watched the whole series, is that some tapped out early because they were sick. They were taken out. But most of the time, of all of them, to the very end, the ones that tapped out, it wasn't because they physically were starving to death. They were much thinner. (laughs) There's a weight program for you. But because mentally they couldn't handle the aloneness. They couldn't handle being alone. They couldn't, they, mentally they say, I can't do this anymore. I miss my family, which is all good and everything. But they couldn't, they couldn't get by that. You see, our hindrance so often in our sanctification, the hindrance, what's, what's going on, what God is, is doing in our life, the reason that we're stumbling and we fall is not so much the attacks. That's what we like to do. That attack, that, that thing went wrong. That, that was not good. And we blame it on all these things around us. When really, it's because we have just been setting our mind in the wrong place. We haven't renewed our mind. You see, the third stone is a mind stone. Now, I know you're thinking, the Avengers had a mind stone. (laughs) Well, the Avengers movies, and their mind stone was different. Their mind stone was that stone can control the way you think. The mind of Christ doesn't control the way you think. He gives you the mind of Christ. You actually have the mind of Christ. You are actually, so at justification, we have uh, the mind of Christ, and now we have to live out that mind in our, in our lives, in our hearts. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. It says, set your minds. I don't want to talk about that. Set your minds on things above, on earth, on heavenly things, on right things, on good things, whatever is pure, whatever is right. Set your mind up there, not on earthly things. Things around you that are, that are going wrong. Set your minds above. It, it literally set your mind, you know what it means? Be careful. Take great care in where you set your mind. This last week, you're trying to live for God. You're trying to serve God. 
Were you careful where you set your mind? Where'd you leave it? Where'd, where'd I leave my mind? Oh, man. Oh, I left it in that lust. Yeah, that's not going to be a good week. Oh, I left it in that pride. Oh, I, I, I left it in that greed. Oh, I, I, where did I leave my mind? You ever lose your mind? You ever go crazy and lose your mind? Where'd, where'd you leave it? Where'd you leave it in, the, in those things? Did you leave it in the things of the world in, in fear and in doubt and loneliness? Where'd you leave that fear? Where'd you leave that mind? A recent poll, Pew poll, just recently, within the last several weeks, came out. They do it every year. They ask, do you believe in God? And they said 80% of the people said, yes, I believe in God, which is the lowest they've ever had in the history. And you look around and you think, I get that. <laughs> I watch that. I can see that in, in, in the world around me. But this is what's interesting. Only a, a little over half 56% said they believe in God of the Bible. So you understand the depth of where we have come. It's not that they believe in God, but they believe in this kind of God or that God. Or, but the God of the Bible is, is barely over 50%. Barely over 50%. And you think, you see what happens is you start to set your mind on this. You set your mind on, I want this, or I want to do this, or I want to be like this, or I want to have this comfort. And you start setting your minds on those things, and that is where you'll turn. It's like you're driving, you're driving, right? And you look right, and you keep looking right. Guess what? Where are you going to go? Right. Or left. <laughs> or wrong. Where, where have you set your mind? What's going on in your mind? Elise and I were first dating I remember the moment she first walked in that room at a co-ed Devo, and I'm going, oh, that's mine. <laughs> I didn't know how to get it, <laughs> and I did it all wrong. I'm not going to give you a lesson on how to do it because it just it was all wrong. Everything about it was wrong. That's another, another story. Next month we'll talk about, or so we're talking about families. I'll, I'll tell you that story. But later on we're dating very seriously, and you start to get to that point where you're afraid. What if he doesn't love me? What if she doesn't love me? And we were pushing back on each other. It happens in relationship. You're pushing back. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Pushing back. Pushing back. Maybe he doesn't love me. Maybe she, she doesn't love me. And, we're at, we're, and there was a moment. I remember very clearly sitting on the couch. And my mind was, I just got to end this. My mind was, I just got to, I got to, I just got to take some time out. We just need a time out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking that, and then all of a sudden something just came in, and I thought, that's not my mind. That's not what I believe I want or, or God wants in this. And so I, it just flipped it, and I, and I said, you know what, Lisa, whatever it is, we're going to work it out because I love you with all my heart. I don't know how to get through this, but I love you. Amazing what happens when all of a sudden you look at it with a different point of view. If you look at it and you set your mind, you, you see, Greg, how do I live sanctified? Okay, you got to know the presence of God. He's with you. You're not by yourself. You're not doing this on, the, on yourself. And you, 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 have to, you have to understand God's Spirit is leading and guiding you. But you also need to understand that the mind of Christ has to be renewed. That's what the process is. Constantly saying, okay, thinking wrong, not doing that. Because it's not just mind games. It's where you set your heart. Because your, your heart follows your mind just like the car follows your eyes. 
you set your mind, you said, I want God. I don't know how to get there. I don't understand how this is going to happen, but, but God, I want you in my life. I don't want to live this anyway anymore. I don't want to act this way anymore. I don't want to do this way. So I'm just going to set my mind on you. That's renewing your mind. And then God moves in our life. Now I want to talk about the last stone. The last stone. It's a victory stone. What is this stone about? See, if the Avengers had this stone, they wouldn't need the other stones. They had to give all five stones and they had to win. Blow up everything, set time back. It was crazy, right? But if they just had this stone, because this means you win. This means you win. We win. Jesus comes to every church in the book of Revelation. And he has for, for five out of the seven, he has some pretty harsh words. Say, hey, you got to change this. No church is perfect. You got to change this. But in every church, he said, but there's a good thing. <laughs> and in this one church in chapter 2, verse 17, he comes to them and he says, okay, to you that won, to you that are victorious, for you that didn't quit, that, that set your mind on the right things, that knew the spirit of God was there, that understood that my presence are there, to the victorious one, I will give a white stone with a new name written on it. You think, Greg, what is that about? See, that comes right out of, everyone understood that. Everyone that read that understood that. Because in the jury system of what was going on there, the accused would come before the judge, the advocate would be there with them, they would have the whole court, and at the end, what would happen is the judge would make a decision. Guilty, not guilty. And this is how he did it. He would have a little box, and he'd have a stone in it. And a black stone means you're guilty, and you're going to pay. And a white stone means you're innocent. And he would hand it to the advocate. The advocate for, for you, for, to stand accused, would take it out and put it behind your back where you couldn't see it. And you then had to hold it out. You didn't know if it was black. You didn't know if you are going to be guilty. But then again, you knew you were guilty. Do we not? We're guilty. We're filled with sin and selfishness and shame. And then the judge would say, show me your hand. And you look amazed. It's a white stone. How can this be? I'm guilty. I deserve death for what I've done. I'm a sinner. How can this be? And the advocate opens up his hand and shows you the black stone. He says, yes, but I took your stone. I took your stone. I took it so that you can have the white stone. And the beauty of what Jesus said to that church was that he said, you know what? It has a new name on it. Because the other custom was when someone invited you to a great feast, you got a rock. It was a very special rock, usually, of, uh, that had a seal on it so you knew who invited you, and you would come to the feast. But if you got a stone with your name on it, you know what it meant? You're the guest of honor. <laughs> you have a seat at the very head, the very front. And that's what Jesus has done with us. He's given us a seat with him. You see, we deserve death, but when we open our hands, we see we have life. Here's the problem. 
So often we say, God, I can't open it because I know I'm sinned. God, I can't do this life. I can't live this Christian life. I'm just going to hold this rock because I know it's black. I know it's wrong. And God is saying, open it up. <laughs> See what my son has done for you. See the forgiveness is there. The last stone is the stone that says God has given you victory. The last stone. So you're thinking, how do I get to glorification? How can I get there? God's giving you, each and every one of you, the church, us, a white stone. And it has your name, your very special name, not just a generic one, but your name so that you can be invited into the very presence of God. Isn't that incredible? That's what God has done. Take those stones, throw them in the water, let it get bigger, let it get bigger, let the presence of God get bigger, let, let, let understand the Spirit of God leading and guiding you. This is what it means to follow the things of God. Understand the mind of Christ. You're surrendering it to God. And when you do all that, you will get the white stone. God has a white stone for each and every one of you. And I know some of you might be thinking, but I don't deserve it. No, you don't. But he's going to give it to you anyway because Jesus loves you and died for you. Can I pray for you? Can you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, we yell grace, grace, grace. The capstone, the cornerstone is a stone of grace. The Spirit of God moving in us, revealing that grace. And I know, God, so often it's the condemnation that we hold that keeps us from trusting you. God, I pray we let go of that and we release it. And if there's anyone in here right now that says, you know what, I, I'm not living right with God. My heart isn't right with God. I need to turn it around. I need to have that moment where I say, God, I'm all yours all the time. And I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray right now in your heart. If you're watching online, everyone watching online, pray with me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. God, I love you with all my heart. Forgive me. I don't even know how to get there, but I'm going to trust you. I want to believe in you. I'm going to turn away from what I was to who I can be in you. And God, I pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isn't God good? Let me just end with this. A woman was brought before Jesus. She was caught in adultery. No question. Thrown down before Jesus. Jesus looked at her and all these people said we should stone her. And Jesus said, all of you that have stones in your hand, if you're perfect, if you've never sinned, throw the rock. They all left. We know that story. If not, you should go read it. It's really good. Jesus asked this woman two questions. And they're so close, sometimes it's easy to miss. And for the first one, he looked at this woman and he says, where are, the, where are those that, that, through the, that were accused you? And then he asked again, he asked us something that was a little bit different. He said, are there no one left by reference with stones? Because I believe there was. There was one left. It was her. Very often, it's not the stones that other people throw at us. It's the stone in our own hand. I can't do this. I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough for this. And this is what 
sanctification is all about. <laughs> no, but we have the moment of justification and God is leading us to victory through sanctification. And that's what he's doing in your life. So he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That is sanctification. That is what God is doing. That is the stone of victory that he just placed in her hand. And so that she would drop her own condemnation, her own guilt. And I just want to encourage you to that. Come on, people. Come on. Don't walk around condemned. Don't walk around and uh, filled with shame and guilt. Just surrender that. Give that to God and walk in victory and walk in trusting and see what God will do in your life. Amen.